scripture reading will be from John chapter 17 verses 20 through 23. I I do not pray for these alone but for those who will believe in me through their word that they will all may be one as as you father are in me and I you that they also may be one in us that the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which you gave me I have given them and you may be one just as we are one in them and you in me, they may be made perfect in one that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Let's go to God in prayer. Dear Father, we're so thankful for the opportunity that we have to be here this day. We thank you for Brother Harrison that has come our way for the lesson he taught this morning and the others that he will teach us today. We thank you for his understanding and his study and his willingness to to proclaim your word. Father, we, we have those that are sick of our number. They request and covet our prayers. We would ask that you continue to bless Tracy Wright in her fight with cancer. We pray for the progress that has been made and we pray for a complete recovery. We pray for Carrie Blanton and the problems she's going through. We pray that you would bless her and her family. We pray for Michaela Myers, the surgery that she is scheduled to have. We know that there are others and we want to remember all of them and and bring their names before you. Father, this time we have much trouble the world over. 
we have a, a serious virus. But we can only put our trust in thee. We have our part to do. We have to be careful. But ultimately, we will rely on you. We read in Psalms that you raised your voice and the earth melted. We recognize your power. We live in a world of sin. You spoke through your prophet Haggai telling your people to consider their ways. Let us and our nation consider our ways. We pray for those that have contacted this virus and, and other illnesses. We pray that a vaccine will be found to help combat it. We thank you, Lord, for Christ. We know he is sitting at your side, interceding for us. May we continue to strive to do your will and give us strength and forgive us if we're willing to repent. Because it's through Christ we pray. Amen.
this time they're going to go ahead and pass out our communion cups. Make sure you everyone gets one. If you don't, please raise your hand so we can get you one. Did everyone get a cup? If not, raise your hand. Alright. If you've got the one that's got two cups with it, if you take the top cup off, your bread is underneath. It's the simplest one. This is the old style. This is the one we'll be using from now on until we get through this crisis with the virus. The top part where the bread is has a cellophane wrap on it. Most of you here know how to do this. You take the top the cellophane off, and then take the bread. Once you're through, the bottom part you can bend back, and it folds open to where you'll be able to get to the juice. If you have problems with getting the cellophane off, and sometimes you do, don't be ashamed to ask somebody to help you. And if you're not close to somebody, then raise your hand and somebody will come assist you to get these tops off, okay? Will you bow women this time? Our Father in heaven, we come time in our worship that we take of the Lord's Supper. We ask you to let us clear our minds and open our hearts to the greatest sacrifice that ever could have been made for us as humans on this earth. 
You, Father, is sending your only Son on this earth, and Him coming on this earth, and take form of a man, to live the life of a man, to be tempted in all aspects that a man, that, that we as Christians or anyone on this earth will be tempted, where we would have no excuse. But Lord, then to, be, to suffer as He did for us, to be tried in a court of men, to be found guilty of nothing, to be beat, scourged, spit upon, cursed, and all this time suffering terrible agony for us. To having to carry His own cross up that hill under the pain and weight of that. Then, Lord, to have His hands and His feet nailed to it. We will never be able to understand the pain that He endured for us. We will never, under, we will never feel that pain as He did for us. But Lord, at any time, all He had to do was look to You in heaven and say, Father, enough. I don't want to suffer no more for these. And You would have carried Him home. But He went through that plan of salvation that we may have that home in heaven. And we can never thank You enough for it. Father, as we take of this, we ask You to let us examine ourselves to make sure that we're worthy of taking of this bread and this cup. As we take of this bread at this time, let us do so in remembrance of His body that hung on that cross for us, that we may have that home in heaven in remission of our sins. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Is everyone through with the bread? If you're not, raise your hand, please. Uh, at this time, we'll give thanks for the cup. Father, we again come through you in prayer. Thank you for the greatest sacrifice you made for us. By your, your Son on that cross shedding His blood for our sins. As we take this cup, let's do so in the remembrance of that blood He shed and the hope of that home in heaven that we have. And take it in a well-pleasing manner unto you. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. This time we'll give thanks that we're able to give back to the Lord that we're able. Y'all bow with me, please. Father, help me thank you for this day and the many blessings in it. We thank you for the blessings you bestow upon us daily, Lord, by giving us the strength and the health that we need that we're able to go out and get gain through jobs, that we have that source of income that we have that, that we can sustain a way of life on this earth. But Lord, to understand that all this happens through you, all the blessings that we have is through you. We are basically on this earth renting what we have to use. Because one day we'll be gone and we'll be in no need of it. But as we do this, Lord, let us take into account that, it, that we should give back unto you a portion of these blessings. That we may continue your work in spreading your word and doing what's needed to do our buildings at church and to spread your word further out through the world. 
We ask as we give this money that we do it from the heart, not grudgingly, but glad we're able to do this to continue your work. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.
again, we welcome you today. So thankful you've chosen to be with us. As we mentioned earlier, it is somewhat of a strange day. We've had to do some things differently in order uh, to keep from spreading things that might get on us, you know, that virus that's going around. And so it's a little bit different today, but hopefully we can adjust and get through everything and everyone will be safe in regards to that. But we are thankful that you're here with us today. We're also thankful to have Brother Jonathan Harrison with us. Uh, If you were here for a Bible class hour, you know that we introduced him. He's married to Leah. They have two sons, Jonah and Braden, and we're thankful that he's here, but we wish that his family could have been here as well. We would have loved to have met them, but we understand. Uh, Jonathan is the uh, uh, director of the counseling center at Freed Hardeman University, and we appreciate him for his good work there. In addition to that, of course, he does the Right Time, Right Talk website. Uh, there will be some handouts at the, at the back of the auditorium at the end of the service that will have some of that information on it and some other resources that he mentioned earlier and that he'll mention again. But we encourage you to pick that up. We'll make sure that they're there before the end of the service. But we're thankful that he is here today. Now, one interesting thing that I learned about him and uh, we have some runners who are here in our own congregation, but I understand that Jonathan is a long distance runner. What's, what's the longest you've ever uh, run? Uh, 100 miles. All I, y'all might not have heard him, 100 miles. If you're planning on running today, you might get away from me, but he's going to be there with you step for step. So you might as well sit in the pew and listen to him right now as we turn it over to him. Thank you for that embarrassing uh, moment there. Um, wasn't expecting that. It caught me off guard. I don't get caught off guard often. Uh, I'm thankful to be here with you. Um, I hope you don't mind uh, that I took my coat off. You notice I have my coat on for the class. Uh, I am hot-natured, and so I was sweating to death up here. So uh, I'm a little cooler now. Um, Funny story, uh, about a year and a half ago, I, I did, I did a, a similar uh, set of lessons at the Main Street Church of Christ up in Manchester, Tennessee. And uh, Ben McAnally, the, the minister there, uh, he and I were in school together, at, uh, undergrad at Freed Hardman at the same time. And he said, now let me tell you, he said, he said I'm hot-natured. And I said, I am too. He said, okay, let me tell you what I do. He said, for the class, I preach with my jacket and my tie on. He said, then for the sermon... I preach without my jacket. He said, for the evening service, he said, I lose the tie. And I was like, okay, got it. And uh, then I got to thinking about that. And um, I, when, I, when I spoke that evening, I told that. And uh, I said, you know, I'm glad you only had me do three lessons instead of four or five because I'm afraid to think of what you'd have me take off next. <laughs> so... Uh, Anyways, I wanted to share that story with you because uh, it cracks me up every time I think about that. So this morning, uh, our, our lesson for the worship service is true intimacy. How to be close to those we love. Um, now, first of all, what is intimacy? Uh, let's start off with that. Uh, here's a good quote. Intimacy means into me, you see. It's a blending of our heart with another so that we can see into who they really are and so that they can see into us. Another quote that I liked is, True intimacy is eye to eye, soul to soul, 
feeling, seeing, and knowing each other on the deepest level. And, uh, and I'll add to that that uh, intimate relationships require us to show frequent affection to one another. We'll talk a little bit more about what that uh, looks like and what that means. And healthy communication skills, healthy conflict resolution skills. These are key ingredients to true intimacy. Uh, being close to somebody is more than just, uh, has a lot more to do with proximity. Um, Proximity actually has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. I shared a little bit about my story uh, this morning, a little bit about uh, my childhood as it pertained to uh, the lesson this morning that we did on pornography and the effects of it and how I was exposed to some things at a pretty early age. Uh, mentioned some things uh, about, about my home. Um, I, and I want to just tell you just a little bit more as it pertains to this lesson, uh, talking about intimacy. As I said, uh, you know, what helps us develop uh, true intimacy is uh, affection and healthy communication. And uh, I have a little, a little asterisk uh, to attach to all the things I talk about when I talk about my family. Uh, I love my family. I love my parents. I love my mother and my father. Um, you know... What I tell people is this, and what I recognize, you know, things, things weren't ideal growing up, things were rough in a lot of ways, but I do believe that mom was doing the best she could, and I also believe that dad was doing the best that he could, and, uh, and I still love them both very much. Um, and I don't talk about these things, uh, you know, for anybody to feel sorry for me, don't. Uh, and I don't talk about these things, uh, you know, to, to put anybody down. Uh, but um, so I got the I got the green light to go ahead. Um, so um, some things that that I want to add uh, to the story is with regards to intimacy. Um, my dad, the way that he grew up, uh, he grew up in, in, a, in a very cold uh, home emotionally. Uh, it was a very abusive home. Uh, both of his parents uh, were alcoholics, uh, daily uh, drinkers. And um, he did not know what healthy, intimate connection looked like. He didn't get that from either one of his parents. And so, uh, you know, he didn't know how to show that as, as a father. Um, and uh, mom helped him with that quite a bit, um, and he's come along. He's 63 now, and uh, he, he's come a long way since then. Um, he does better than he used to, uh, but, you know, building up words, encouraging words, uh, you know, those were few and far between for him. Uh, got more critical words than positive words, and um, positive physical touches, hugs, things like that, um, you know, as he got older, he got a little bit better uh, with that kind of stuff, but that wasn't, that wasn't what he experienced growing up. And uh, so he had a hard time showing those things. And uh, mom uh, grew up in a, in a very poor home, and um, her father was an alcoholic, and uh, you know, mom was the oldest. And basically at nine, ten years old, like of her uh, three younger siblings, uh, she was kind of in charge because um, dad wasn't around. And uh, her mom had had some uh, uh, some mental health issues that she dealt with, and so um, 
I say all this to say, kind of to paint the picture for you, mom and dad coming together, um, you know, I didn't learn things like, um, uh, like healthy communication, healthy conflict resolution. Um, if mom and dad were fighting, they were yelling, they were screaming, and uh, it was never pretty, amongst other things. And uh, so uh, I have one sibling. I have a sister who's three years younger. So you can imagine what it looked like when me and my sister fought. We would yell and scream at each other, and uh, we would call each other names. And so that's kind of what, what we learned to do. Um, I learned over time, like if you have like, strong feelings about something or negative feelings about something, you just suck it up and just keep it to yourself. Uh, because it's not going to go over well if you express a displeasure with something or something you don't like. Or, um, so um, I wanted to use that as kind of a, a backdrop because, see, sometimes there are things that get in the way of us being able to engage in true intimacy with others. And some of us uh, have uh, a lot of hurdles that we have to overcome to get there. But that's okay. No matter how many hurdles there are, no matter how big the hurdles are, uh, you can overcome them, and uh, you know I'm, I'm proof of that, and I've known other people uh, who've been able to do the same thing. Uh, some research uh, on intimacy in marriage. In 2017, after conducting four different studies on comparing the positive and negative effects of affection, uh, Dr. Annick DeBras and uh, Amy Muse found that spouses reported high levels of relationship satisfaction Deeper levels of intimacy when they express their affection for one another regularly. Anybody familiar with the five love languages? Most of us are pretty familiar with that. It's been around for a long time. Gary Chapman uh, first wrote that book, uh, published that book in 1992. Um, and uh, those, uh, those, those love languages, uh, it talks about how different people, you know, need love and... and, and it, it, communicate love and receive love in different ways. It's not just one language. And so, for instance, there's words of affirmation, there's physical touch, there's quality time, there's acts of service, and then there is receiving gifts. Okay? My top two, when I take the assessment, you can take the assessment for free online. It takes about five to ten minutes uh, on 5 com. And my top two are words of affirmation and physical touch. They are. They are both equally high up there for me. Okay. Going back to that scenario, talking about dad, well, guess what dad's was? And, and a lot of men from his generation, acts of service. Now, I will say this about my father, something that I've always respected and continue to respect this day. That man worked very hard. He worked 33 years, uh, 20 of those years, uh, third uh, graveyard shift uh, at a factory. And um, he rarely missed a day of work. He had to be in really bad shape to miss work. Uh, and he went to that job that he did not like day in and day out, uh, sometimes six days a week, and sometimes with high production, uh, sometimes it'd even be seven days a week. And he did that because he loved us. And he always made sure that we had everything that we needed. So... He wasn't so good at the physical touch thing. He wasn't so good at the positive words. But, you know, as I got older, I was able to learn this and understand this on a deeper level 
that, oh, dad, dad definitely loved me. He just has a very different language and he doesn't understand my love languages. And so these languages don't only apply uh, to uh, our, our uh, spouse relationships, our romantic relationships, but it also uh, it relates to our relationships with others uh, close to us as well. And so uh, they also found in their studies that when there was a lack of affection and thus a lack of intimacy, it caused distress in the relationship, to say the least. Um, so we know that we need to have affection for one another. We know that we need to uh, demonstrate affection. Um, you know, doing things for other people. Um, you know, I've got friends. I know which ones of my close guy friends uh, are uh, words of affirmation guys. I know which ones are physical touch. You know, we're like like fist bumping, like hands around each other, that kind of stuff. You know, healthy physical touch. I know which ones are acts of service. I know which ones are gifts. Like, I got one friend, like he is a gift guy, big time. Like, even if it's a little something, like he loves getting gifts and he loves giving gifts. Gifts aren't that big to me, uh, but, you know, if, if there's something going on, usually for my birthday, he'll get me a little something. Um, and, and I appreciate that about him. And so I try to do the same for him, more so than some of the other friends that, you know, it's not that big of a deal to them. Uh, but something else that is extremely important uh, to this, uh, this intimacy, and we're going to camp out here for a little bit, is um, these communication skills. So... When we're talking about uh, communicating with others, so we're talking about the communicator, there's a few different options that we have. Okay? Uh, we can either communicate assertively, uh, which is what I recommend. That is the recommended mode of communication. And assertive communication is basically uh, having the ability to ask for what you want or what you need in a loving, respectful way. Um, one of the passages that stands out to me for this that I, is kind of my cornerstone verse for that is Ephesians 4.15, uh, speaking the truth, where it says, speaking the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. Uh, in Matthew 18.15 and following, uh, you know, Jesus is asked, hey, what do we do uh, if I got a problem with my brother? Um, and he said, you go to that person alone and you make the matter known to him. If they've sinned against you or if you have a problem with them, I, I would apply it to that as well. We don't, we don't talk bad about them to other people. Uh, we, you know, we don't ignore them and act like it's not happening. Um, we don't do anything sneaky and secretive to, to get back at them. And we go to them and we make the matter known to them. Why? Because we want to win our brother or our sister back. We want to get them back into a good standing with the Lord and with a good standing with us. So, that's being assertive. Now, some of those other forms I mentioned, there's passive communication. Passive communication is where you don't say anything. I learned that one growing up. You don't say anything. You just keep it to yourself. And sometimes, uh, I've worked with a lot of couples in, in premarital counseling over the years, and uh, a lot of people uh, are passive for some really good reasons. Like, in other words, like there's good motivation in their heart to not say things. Like, well, you know, when she's stressed out, you know, she, she's a nursing major. And, she, you know, I know how stressed out she is with classes. So, you know, I just don't say anything about this because I, because I don't want to add to her stress. Okay? You know, that's understandable. That's considerate. Um, 
And then sometimes it's uh, something like, well, I don't, I don't tell him this uh, because, you know, I don't want to hurt his feelings. Uh, because if I said that, you know, it would hurt his feelings. He would take it personal and, and all this. So, so I just don't say anything. I just, I just, you know, just brush it aside. Well, the problem with that is, is that drives a wedge directly between those two people's intimacy. Okay? If we're not being open, if we're not being honest with one another, then there's distance growing between us. Um, and all the best research that you will find uh, on, on healthy relationships, on healthy marriages, healthy families, they will say this same thing over and over and over again. Communicate, talking. So, so that's passive. Good motivation. I tell them, good, you know, I understand your motivation, but here's why you want to learn how to communicate in an assertive way. And we even practice. I'll put them on the hot seat. It's like, all right, we're going to practice assertive communication. I want you both to write down three things that you want to assert yourself about. Um, that one's always fun. Well, fun for me, anyway. Um, now, you could be an aggressive communicator, okay? I don't think I have to explain that one, do I? We know what aggressive communication looks like. But then we've got one more. This is the, the specialty. The passive-aggressive. I know what passive-aggressive communication is? Uh, sarcasm that's meant to take a jab, but you know, if, you, if, if the person says anything, it's like, I, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Come on, like, settle down. What are you getting so worked up for? Passive-aggressive. Or, uh, you know, somebody does something you don't like, and your boss does something, says something, you, don't, you know, maybe humiliates you in, in front of the To you, you are humiliated. You're called out in front of everybody. And so you just say, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. Um, and then on your break, you know, you sneak outside and slash his tires. <laughs> now, that's a, that's a very aggressive, that's a, that's a scary passive-aggressive. But again... Passive-aggressive behavior. So much better in the long run if we just go to that person. Uh, even if someone is mad at us. Uh, Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 5 uh, that uh, he, he's talking to the, to the people there, like if you go to, go to uh, present your offering and, and there before you do it, you remember, you know, this, this brother's mad at me. He's got a problem with me uh, over whatever. He says, go to him. Put your offering... Set, this is how important this is. You know, set, set your offering down, set it aside, and go and try to take care of this. That's how important it is for us to keep our relationships with everyone healthy. Um, now, uh, this is especially difficult for us uh, because uh, in our culture, especially in the South, y'all know this is true... We can be kind of passive, can't we? You know, passive-aggressive too. But we do it in a real, like, like sweet kind of way. Like, oh, bless his heart. Bless her heart, you know. And, it, you know, you're thinking whatever negative thoughts you're thinking about that person. Um, hey, it's hard. I have talked to, listen, I have counseled with people and talked with people who, who transplanted from the north to the south and they're like, hey, you know, we got a reputation for being like kind of short and blunt and, and, you know, we get a reputation for being rude, but my goodness, 
Like, I'd rather deal with that than hear, like, the passivity. Like, I don't know what this person's thinking. They'll smile at me and tell, you know, I'll think everything's fine. And then, you know, next thing I know, I hear they're talking about me. Now, obviously that doesn't apply to everybody. But um, we do kind of have a reputation in the South for that a little bit. Um, that passivity is dangerous. Um, you know, if you don't like if you don't like grandma's, uh, you know, beans uh, at, at supper, uh, what do you say? How do you like them beans? They're great. Thank you. See, we're like it's just a little white lie, but I, I'm dead serious. I have talked to uh, husbands for who ended up having to eat his uh, mother-in-law's, you know, I don't know, corn or beans or something for like ten years, and he's like, I just hated it. I hated them, and every time she'd give me a bunch of it, and finally one day I was just like, I can't, I can't eat those. I don't like them. I hate them. And I was just like, okay, well, that's a, yeah, that's, that's a good example of that. So there are nice ways to speak the truth in love. Like, listen, Grandma, you're a great cook. I, I, man, I especially love your uh, you know, banana pudding. That's my favorite. But these beans, eh, don't really care for them. Sorry. Um, you know, you can, you can speak that truth to someone, even in the little things. I think it's extremely important. Now, the other side of this, uh, you know, it's important to be assertive, but I will go ahead and warn you, some of you already know this, not everybody's going to receive that all that well. Uh, not everybody practices the other side of this, uh, this aspect of a healthy relationship, of an inti- intimate relationship, and that is the listening side, the receiver's side of this. So what I teach people and what I try to practice myself is being an active listener. Okay, In order to be an active listener, I can't... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome, buddy. You, you got another dub on Fortnite? Great. Yep, it's cool. Oh, yeah, you snipe them? Yeah, good job. That's talking to my kids, by the way. They're big Fortnite fans. These guys know what I'm talking about. Um, you know, I'm not being very attentive when I'm doing that. And guess what? They know. Like, I've seen kids talk. I've seen my kids. I've, I've been guilty of it before. And just hear that, never mind, Dad. Um, and then, you know, whenever that happens, me snapping to and being like, eh, why, was I on that, why was I on that stupid device and not paying attention, uh, being attentive to what my son was trying to t- say? Yeah, I don't have to be into Fortnite, but it's important to him. You know, when my wife talks to me about her work, like, she does stuff that, I, she, she's like knee-deep in spreadsheets, you know, with like 50 tabs and like formulas that just look like they shouldn't, I don't know what they do. Uh, but she knows what all that stuff is. And so she's telling me about it. She's having trouble getting this spreadsheet to do what she wants it to do and all this stuff. And, you know, I'm listening and I'm doing my best to be attentive. Uh, why? Not because I care anything about, about Excel and spreadsheets, especially at the level that she's in, but because she's important to me. Amen. She's important. So I listen because she's important. I listen to my kids talk about Fortnite. I even downloaded Fortnite on my phone. I stink, but... You know, they get a good kick out of it when I play with them. They love that. 
my wife is really uh, uh, attentive to me when I'm talking about Red Sox baseball. I'm a Red Sox fan. Please don't shoot me. Uh, I know I'm in I know I'm in Braves territory down here, um, but she listens to what I have to say about what's going on with the Red Sox. Um, and you know she's very kind. I try to not overdo it, but typically by the time we get to the end of the season, you know she's being very assertive. She's like, "Sweetie, um, I could you please not say anything else about baseball? Like, don't even say the word baseball or Red Sox around me until uh, the season starts back up." <laughs> I can do that for you, babe. She's like, "Thank you." Um, but why does she listen when I talk about that stuff? Why does she act excited? She'll even watch some of the highlights from the games uh, with us sometimes because me and the boys are all excited. She's just like, whoa, that's awesome. Great comeback win. All right, I've got to go get some work done. Um, but we do that because we love one another. We care about one another. Now, there's a lot that goes into this specialized uh, um, uh, practicing of active listening. We have to set what we're feeling. This is what's so hard for me. Because I told you the kind of home I grew up in, the type of communication. So I have to work very hard against that, even to this day. I have to take what, what's being said to me by her or to my boys or maybe somebody else, and I kind of don't like what's being said. I have to take how I'm feeling about it and what I think about it and take that and not, not forget about it, but just set it over here for just a little bit and really hear what she's saying. And make sure that I let her know that I hear what she's saying. Not just what I think she's saying, but I ask for clarification. Ask clarifying questions if you don't understand. Uh, what really helps me and what I teach, uh, teach people is uh, I try to imagine myself, I go into investigative reporter mode. You know, an investigative reporter, like, they, just, they, they, want, to get the, they want to gather the facts about what happened. And so I'm like, well, you know, how long, like, how long has this been bothering you? Um, you know, I, th I appreciate you telling me that. You know, even on the inside, I'm like, oh, oh, man, that one hurt. But if she doesn't tell me, then I don't know that I'm doing something she doesn't like or I don't know that I'm doing something that's bothering her. And so when she tells me, that's how I know. So this active listening is extremely important. What does James 1.19 say? It says, be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. That's what we're talking about. And uh, I'll even add to that uh, Stephen Covey, a famous book uh, that uh, Stephen Covey wrote years ago, I think late 80s, early 90s, um, so sold over 20 million copies worldwide, I think. Um, it's incredible. Uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Most of us have heard of that. Um, habit number five. Made the list. This stuff made the list. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. So if I'm seeking first to really hear what the other person has to say, uh, then uh, that's going to get you a long way. That's going to get you a leg up. Uh, valid, being validated, feeling understood, uh, that increases our intimacy. And the only way that I can be understood and be validated is if I share. We have to share with one another. Even guys, even guys have to share with other guys. Now, I know that goes against our nature and that goes against our Southern American heritage, but 
We have to learn how to do this, guys. Uh, we have to find contexts in which we can do this in. It's extremely important. Uh, some pictures of intimacy in Scripture. Uh, David and Jonathan, their relationship. Uh, in 2 Samuel, you can read all about their relationship uh, through second half of uh, 1 Samuel. Uh, but after Jonathan uh, ha- has died, and Jonathan and Saul have died, uh, in 2 Samuel, uh, David says this. 2 Samuel 1, verse 23, and then I drop down to verse 26. Saul and Jonathan, beloved and lovely, in life and in death, they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. Jonathan lies slain on, on your high places. Verse 26, I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant have you been to me. Your love to me was extraordinary, surpassing the love of women. This was a close, tight-knit relationship that David and Jonathan had. And when Jonathan was gone, David lamented deeply because his best friend was gone. He could no longer have those conversations about things that were bothering him and on his mind and getting advice about what to do about this or what to do about that. Uh, Some other examples. uh, uh, Young Solomon and his true love uh, in the Song of Solomon. Uh, Very, very intimate relationship. Uh, Sexually, yes, later on, talking about sexual love, but what goes along with that and before that, that intimacy, that closeness, that, that, that best friendship, uh, that was foundational to their relationship. The prodigal son and the loving father, uh, Luke chapter 12, uh, verses 11 and following. That beautiful picture of that relationship, that, that love, that intimate, that deep intimate love that that father had for that son. See, that kind of love, when, when the person goes astray, when a person you love falls by the wayside, you don't give up on them. You, you, you don't lose hope in them. You don't stop praying for them. Even if they've done something to hurt you. That's, that's true love. That is the kind of love that God calls for us to have towards one another. And it's hard. It's, it, is, it is a difficult call. But that is the kind of love that God has for us. Because how often do we stray off the path? How often do we sometimes... Um, you know, get going in the wrong direction. And then something gets us going back in the right direction. And God's always there with, with loving, open arms. Um, and another example, uh, Jesus and uh, John, the apostle, uh, that level of closeness between uh, him, uh, you know, described as, uh, John describes himself as uh, the apostle whom Jesus loved. In John chapter 19, verses 26 and 27, When Jesus saw his mother, now Jesus is on the cross, he saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Man, what a deep, you know, rich you know, intimate relationship between uh, Jesus and, and the Apostle John. You know, Jesus is thinking about his, his poor mother and, you know, what's going to happen to her, especially in that culture. And he turns to John and says, John, I want you to take care of my mother. And John does that. 
I imagine, with no hesitation at all. So these are just some of the, the, the beautiful pictures of intimacy that come to mind for me uh, as expressed in Scripture. Uh, John chapter 17, verses 20 through 23, uh, this highlights Jesus' uh, intimacy with the Father and His desire uh, to be intimate with us and close to us and His desire for us to be close with one another. And this was our scripture reading this morning, but I'll, I'll read that again. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Beautiful, beautiful prayer by Jesus. Jesus' desire is for us to be close to Him and to be close to one another. Well, what does that look like? Well, if, if, if you're going to get close to God, if you're going to be close to Jesus, you know, people say that kind of thing all the time, but what does that exactly look like? Well, these are just some thoughts that come to mind for me. Uh, one, we've got to talk to Him. That's important. You know, you can't be close to somebody if you're not talking to that person. Uh, and also, you know, listening. Now, how do I listen to what God has to say to me? Um, well, an obvious way is through His Word, through the Scripture. Like, what is, what is this passage saying to me? Yes, He says this to everyone, but how does it specifically apply to me? And then two, you know, how's the whole? You know, different people have different ideas about how the Holy Spirit works, and, uh, but we know that the Holy Spirit does work in our lives. Um, I do know that when I'm in such a low place and I'm so distraught and upset and stressed uh, that I don't even have words. Have, you, have you, any of you ever experienced that? I know I have. Where I've been in a place where I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to pray. But I take comfort because I know the Holy Spirit can take what I'm feeling that I can't even put into words and the Holy Spirit can take that to God and translate that. I'm so thankful that the Holy Spirit can interpret that language of my feelings, of my emotions when I don't have the words. So, I have to listen. Listen to how the, how, how's the Holy Spirit guiding me uh, through the knowledge of His Word and whatever other ways He may be leading me. Now, I have to listen. And then I'll add to this, um, you know, one way we get close with Christ is, is in our interactions with one another. Because what did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 7? He said, whatever you've done to the least of these, you've done it to me. So you want to be close to Jesus? Well, you've got to be close to people in need. You've got to be aware of people's needs. Reach out to people. Help people. And by the way, that covers all of us. Some people are in more need uh, than others in certain areas, but all of us are in need at one point or another, aren't we? Uh, so here's something else to think about. Uh, my transitions aren't working here on, on this PowerPoint, so I don't know why. Uh, but, so, it's all up there at once. Uh, so, 
In Matthew chapter 11, 29 and 30, uh, Jesus said, Take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Okay? So, uh, in, in, case, in case you've never heard this lesson or heard about this before, so one ox, let's say an ox that weighs 2,000 pounds, an ox can pull his own body weight. So an ox can pull about 2,000 pounds. It's a lot of weight. Uh, and then, and then it was going to be dramatic. I, I wasn't going to have the second picture up, but I was going to say, how many do you think two, two oxen can pull? Well, you know, for, for those of us who are good at math, uh, we would say, well, I mean, 4,000 pounds, you know, if you got, got two of them, they can pull two, they can pull, you know, that's 4,000 pounds, so they can pull 4,000 pounds. Well, there's this thing, uh, there's this thing uh, that, that's described now as synergy, it's like 1 plus 1 equals 3 or 4. Um, in other words, when you get people working together and moving in a direction together, they can accomplish more than they can individually and even combined with that amount. So two oxen can pull twice their body weight when yoked up together. So two oxen that weigh 2,000 pounds each can pull about 8,000 pounds. Okay? So... When we think about that, when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. When I yoke up to Jesus, he's helping pull the weight. He's helping bear my burdens. Okay? Now it's really this, man, not having these transitions is really going to mess up this next slide, but that's okay. So, I'll just have to describe it to you. So, um... That's me, by the way, in case you didn't notice. Um, that's my bitmoji. Okay, so without, the, tra- w- without uh, the transitions working, if the transitions were working, you just would see me attached to that circle through Jesus' head. And it would look really weird. And I'd say, what's wrong with this picture? And you would say, well, it's just a head. It's not, there's no body. And then I would hit the transition, and then the body would appear. Oh, okay. So, you know, what are you getting at here? So, here's what, here's what I used to think for a long time. When, uh, when I would read that passage, Matthew chapter 11, uh, when Jesus said, take my yoke upon you, my yoke is easy, and my burden is light, I would think, okay, I just got to yoke up to Jesus, and He's going to help pull the weight. Got it. Awesome. But it kind of didn't turn out that way. Like, um, I just, it didn't feel that way anyway. It was like, man, I feel like I'm missing something. But then, I don't know, I'd say about, I think it was about 2015, 2016. This just, I was just reading this passage, studying this passage, and, uh, and this came into my head. It was like, wait a second. Jesus is the head of the church, so if I'm just yoked up to the head, like, that's not going to work. So, uh, yoking up to Jesus includes yoking up to the body. Christ is the head of the church. The church is His body, Ephesians 5.23. So, the body is the church. We are the church. The church is made up of individuals, a bunch of individuals working together. You can't just take Jesus and not take the body. The two come together. And we have to learn 
especially, and again, you know, this is an individualistic culture. So really understanding this on a deep level is, is kind of difficult for us just because of how we function in our culture. You know, Western cultures are more uh, individualized, individual-focused, individual-driven. Uh, and then Eastern cultures, you know, they are more naturally groupthink. You know, I don't think of myself individually. I think of myself within my group, within my family. You know, you hear, uh, you know, people from, uh, from the East talking about not dishonoring their family and bringing honor to their family or whoever they work for, uh, talking about bringing honor to their employer because they view themselves as part of the unit. Like, that's just how they think. We don't naturally think that way. And so we have to kind of do some work here. So, there's a, there's a lot of passages. Uh, I, I don't even know. It depends on what translation you have, but there are uh, dozens and dozens of one another passages uh, in the New Testament when talking about the church. Uh, Galatians 6.2 tells us to bear one another's burdens. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. 1 Thessalonians 5.15, do good to one another. Galatians 5.13, serve one another. Romans 12.10, be devoted to one another. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, encourage and build up one another. James 5.16, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. We've got to really dig into these one another passages and ask ourselves, you know, are we living this? Are we, are we, is this being embodied in our lives? Um, and, you know, when I first started examining this and asking myself these questions, I had to be honest with myself. I was like, mm, I got some room for improvement. I've got some things I need to work on. I don't think I'm doing this at, at, at as deep of a level as I could. So, uh, now, the rest of my story, um, you know, I have had to overcome, you know, those deficits in the area of intimacy in my life. I have had to learn how to be open and honest. I've had to learn how to be a good listener uh, with my wife and with my boys. And I'm still working on that. I'm still improving. In fact, I'm going to share something with you. I'm... I'm I try to be transparent with people. You know why I try to be transparent with people? Because it does, it does nobody any good to hear somebody talk about this stuff and to think, well, I mean, but they're not dealing with the kind of stuff I'm dealing with. Like, you know, he's got it all together, you know. Um, he hadn't dealt with this kind of stuff. Listen, I've told you about my childhood growing up. Listen, me and my wife have had to go to marriage counseling before. Because... We had things that we need to work on. We weren't communicating too well. And I'm extremely thankful for that. I'm extremely thankful uh, for the things that we have learned and, and being held accountable for that and going and learning, even though this is stuff that I know and this is stuff that I teach. Because like a lot of things, it's easy to talk about, but it's hard to do. And our relationship is so much deeper and richer because of it. Uh, my friends, it wasn't until my, until my early 30s, close to mid-30s, until uh, I learned how to, to develop true, intimate relationships with other Christian men. 
You know, I'd always had friends, but I never had like really deep relationships where we talk about any and everything. We talk about the things that we're struggling with and things that we need help with, things that we need accountability with. Uh, in fact, uh, I'll share this with you before I close. Um, this was about seven years ago, and uh, one of my now very good friends comes to me and one of our other mutual friends and says, hey, I've been struggling with pornography and uh, got caught. And uh, in, other words, in short, his, his wife was extremely upset and was like, you better get a handle on this or else. Um, and um, so what he did was come to us and said, hey, you guys are the experts on this stuff. Like, you tell me what to do and I'll do it. And so we developed a very tight uh, accountability group. And we were talking about all kinds of things and working through lots of things and being there for one another. And then that led to me opening up about some things. This is usually what happens within a group like this. It's like as soon as one domino falls, like they all start falling down. And then another one of our friends the next year... Um, he had some problems, some serious problems in his marriage, and he came to the group, and we were all there at his house. There were seven of us at his house that night. And that wasn't including the elders. The elders came and were, were heavily involved as well. And so that led to, that, that's a picture from, a, from a, a, a retreat that us guys in that picture did where we went uh, hiking and then we had devotionals uh, for, for a weekend. And then we decided that we wanted to create this environment for other people at our church and in our community. So, for just over six years now, we've had a men's ministry uh, going at our church. A very strong men's ministry that meets twice a week. And we talk about real stuff. We talk about challenging stuff. And, and men talk with one another about things that they wouldn't ha normally talk about or wouldn't have a context to. And when any of us speak, like... We speak openly and frankly with one another. And it's led to other men opening up and being honest. We had one guy one time um, uh, we highly respected. And he had this lesson on leadership he was going to do. And right before he got up there, uh, he told my buddy, he said, Hey, I'm scrapping that lesson. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell my story. And we were like, Oh, okay. And he tells his story of what his childhood was like and, um, and how, he, how he dealt with that. And... Uh, Man, we were just all floored. And, you know, that, that, uh, that guy and, and I uh, and several of us are much closer to this day. And we're able to be open about uh, things with one another. Uh, so, you know, finding a context or creating a context in which that can exist is extremely important. That is how we develop intimacy. And last thing... These are some questions uh, for you to ask yourself. Um, if I'm being honest with myself on a scale of 1 to 10, you know, how vulnerable, how transparent do I allow myself to be with other people? Uh, a second question. What are some things that might keep me from being more transparent, more open with people, vulnerable? Hey, sometimes you're open with people, you're vulnerable with people, and you get hurt. That's a risk you take. That's what makes it so hard. You might take that risk and then you get shut down. And that hurts. And sometimes, depending on, on how devastating that is and at what level, that can be extremely difficult to work through. I work with people uh, on that particular issue quite a bit. So what are the things that keep you 
from digging deeper into that. And then three, what are some steps that I'm willing to take, even if it's just one little step? Look, if I take where I'm at today and I just take one little step, I do one little thing different for this next week. It doesn't have to be big, but I just do one little thing different. Then that is progress. That is a great step. And keep doing that. And then when you get that down, guess what? Add another little step. Make another little change in the right direction. And before you know it, it'll take a while, but eventually you'll get towards those goals and get to where you want to be. Let's close uh, uh, before, before we offer the invitation. Uh, I, I just want to offer a prayer um, for us on this issue because this is something that is very difficult uh, in our culture and in our churches. And so let's pray. And then if you have uh, something uh, that you need to share with the congregation and open up about, uh, then we would encourage you to come. But before we do that, let's pray. Father, we ask that you help us to be one as you and your Son and your Spirit are one. Uh, We pray that you help us to be one with you and you help us to be one with one another. Help us to be open and honest. Help us to communicate openly in healthy ways, assertive ways with one another. Help us to listen well. Help us to put our devices down and put our distractions and uh, things that get in our way of that. Uh, Help us to be conscientious of that. Make better efforts to listen and really hear the heart of the other people who are sharing with us. Father, please help us to do that. Help us to have stronger uh, churches. Help us have stronger marriages and stronger families. And Father, we ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. If you have a need, please come.
we have some folks passing out the announcement that I'm about to make, and and while they're doing that, let me say that that uh, this past week we realized in the eldership that we had to uh, respond to the things that are happening to the virus that's going around, and and we know that COVID-19 is a serious thing. Uh, it's not a hoax; it is serious, and. Uh, we knew that we had to, to have a plan of action. Uh, we met Friday, there was one case in Alabama. By the time we finished our meeting and got home, there were six cases. I saw this morning there was 19 cases. 